Hello and welcome back. I am very happy to be here with you today talking about something that I am super passionate about. This is Modern Lead Her, the podcast for corporate career women who want to feel good on their way to the top. I'm Emma Clayton and I'll be sharing with you tangible advice to help you stop sacrificing your soul in the name of success and experience more balance, confidence and fulfillment both in and out of work. like I did in the earlier days. So there are a couple of things I want to explore with you here today. The first one is this idea, and be honest with yourself if you've ever said this, this idea that you'll be happy one day when, sometime out in the future. I'll be happy when I get the dream body. I'll be happy when I get the dream man. I'll be happy when I finally hit a director level or managing director level. I'll be happy when... I get to X amount salary or this performance rating, whatever that'll be. If you've ever said that, be honest, put your hand up. I've got mine raised already. You won't be the only one, trust me. And here's the problem with this, is that if we're always waiting for one day when, we're missing opportunities to be happy, to feel good now. And the problem going on from that is it's a perpetual cycle right because you get the thing you get to the director level let's say and you're happy for a moment but it passes quite quickly and then you're on to the next thing it's fleeting then you're on to the next big dream so oh I'll be happy when I get to that managing director level role now after a couple of years you're on to the next big thing we don't stop here we're human beings we're always constantly looking to grow and evolve otherwise we stay the same which suits no one right so we get to the dream and then we dream bigger it's like you get to the mountain peak that you can see from where you're starting and it's not until you get up to the top of the peak that you see there's another peak that you get to climb now so you want that next peak and the next peak you you're seeking the next dream and the next dream that's beautiful to some extent and If we're always waiting until we get there, until we're happy, we can't experience happiness now. So the way to experience success and happiness and feel good on the way is to slow down for a minute. Let's just stop what you're doing. Put the thing down that you've got, that you're multitasking with, and just look around you. Where are you in your life and what have you created? Can you just take a moment to take it all in and go, I did that? Even if you're not where you ideally want to be, can you look around you and go, that's mine, I'm here, I did that, and I'm grateful. And just feel into the gratitude of that right now. That is how you experience happiness now. That's how you expedite happiness and experience more and more of those moments where you're just grateful to be alive, where you're just grateful for all that hard work that you've put in to allow you to live in the house that you do, to have the relationships that you do, to own the things that you do, to have the experiences that you have, to just take it all in, to take stock, take a minute, to put a smile on your face and pat yourself on the back and say, I did that. Those increased moments of gratitude that you do throughout the day will increase 
your happiness in the now. And the more you stop to allow yourself that space to do this, to practice this, the easier it becomes. And it might be that you need a little bit of help, some reminders to do this. I remember having little reminders come up on my phone at like two o'clock in the afternoon and I had various post-it notes around my desk and um, I had a gratitude journal by my bed that I wrote in either in the morning or in the evening, just got into a habit. And you just notice that it's the small things, it's the smallest of things that actually start to invoke that feeling from the inside out. And this is the key here, is that it doesn't come from outside of you. It doesn't come from achieving those things out in the future. It comes from within. And it comes from the smallest of things. Listening to a bird cheeping and singing in the, in the distance or just feeling the sun on your skin, or just noticing a photo that's on the wall and smiling with a memory of that moment that was captured in time. This is how we practice being happy now. And with anything, the more you do this, the more easy it is to access that kind of state, that feeling state that feels more good than not. And what's really interesting is when you start to use your awareness to notice how soon after you feeling good, how soon after you having these thoughts of what you're grateful for, do you start to notice other thoughts creep in that are perhaps more habitual, perhaps more your normal state of mind? Maybe they're worry thoughts or comparison or fear or just negative kind of spirals that you may actually recognise as quite normal because they take up a lot of your usual headspace. And this happens, this is very natural (laughs) because our brain likes to do things on autopilot because it has so much to think about and do to get us through a day, right? It just prefers the familiar so when we're trying something new, when we're trying to replace an, like a negative thought pattern with something like gratitude, something more positive, it's, it takes effort. <laughs> it actually takes a little bit of conscious effort for that to become the norm, simply because we're up against the brain's mechanism that keeps us in these autopilot kind of thought loops. So with that in mind, it's also really good to notice when you start practicing this, dropping into that grateful state and just like really being present in this moment and starting to feel good now, is to notice what thoughts then come in that knock you out of that state. Because this is where we tend to sabotage ourselves. And actually, there's a, a book called The Big Leap. It's by a writer called Gay Hendricks. And he describes this invisible barrier to next level success in work relationships and love as the upper limit problem. It's almost like we start to feel successful. We start to feel happy. And that's unfamiliar. And therefore, we have kind of feel like we've hit this ceiling and we sabotage with negative thought thought patterns and we find ourselves back where we were before. And we see this time and time again, right? 
I'm sure if you're like me and most of the female population, you've at some point been unhappy with your body, with your weight, with your size, you've gone on a diet, you've started to see progress and you've started to feel good and you've started to get comments from people outside of you and then for some reason, really frustratingly, you've kind of unwound that good work and you've ended up back at the weight you were or if you like me, um, you found yourself at even a heavier weight than you were to start with. So this is the upper limit problem in action. And Gay Hendricks actually uses the example of Bill Clinton, who as a child visited the White House and claimed that one day he was going to live there. And of course, he went on to become the president. Yet soon after in office, he actually sabotaged that by having extramarital affairs with his um, PA. And we all know how that ended. So Bill Clinton reached his upper limit and sabotaged his success in that moment. And this is the very real risk that we run if we don't address that problem. So in this book, The Big Leap, um, Gay Hendricks actually talks about studying your thoughts, studying those negative thoughts that knock us out of that feel good state. And you will notice over time, if you study them, if you write them down in a journal, if you um, capture them in notes in your phone and actually compare them, you'll realize that very few of them have anything to do with reality. They're all if, buts and maybes. A lot of the time they're the worst case scenario and they're just not substantiated in any fact. And this is good because from that place we get to discredit them, right? We get to challenge those thoughts and we get to give them a nod and say, oh, hi, thoughts, I see you're there, but actually not buy into the drama a lot of the time that they bring. And I find that the simplest way I can get myself out of those negative thought loops when I notice them occurring and can discredit them because there's no truth in the matter is to use the breath. It's the most underrated yet cheapest, you know, it's free to use our breath. We do it all the time. We just don't consciously use it. And this is because fear is just excitement without the breath. So if you are excited and then you stop breathing, you become fearful. It's that simple. And we, we breathe all the time, yet we don't do it consciously. It's something our brain operates on autopilot. We, know, we can thank our brain, we can give a little nod to our brain for that. But when we do drop in and consciously take some big deep breaths, like really breathe, suck in the air, expand our lungs, like send it down to our belly, and give a big exhale and we do that a few times that just conscious breath is like literally letting out a sigh of relief and we can go about our day we can get back to gratitude or we can go about our day so that's the first thing that i wanted to cover off which was this idea that we'll be successful and happy one day when we've achieved xyz someday out in the future and actually flipping that on its head and going, no, I get to I get to feel successful and happy now. And that actually doesn't come from something outside of me, it comes from within. And it comes from taking those real conscious moments to just be grateful for what we have around us, to just notice what we notice. And then practicing that and also noticing when those 
negative thought loops come in and just seeing it for what it is, just a negative thought loop, nothing that we have to actually attach to. Then the next thing that I wanted to bring in is also another concept that um, Gay Hendricks covers off in his book, which I highly recommend actually. It's one of the very first books that I read off the personal development shelf, The Big Leap. And he talks about where are we operating the majority of our time is in one of these four zones that he talks about. There's a zone of incompetence, the zone of competence, the zone of excellence, and then our zone of genius. And only when we're operating in our zone of genius can we truly experience this feel-good and success simultaneously and effortlessly. So let me just explain what those zones are. So a zone of incompetence is it is what it says on the tin, right? We're not good at it. We probably don't like doing it. It bores us. That might be why we don't, we're not good at it. If I think of things like housework, <laughs> I'm not particularly good at it because it bores the hell out of me. And surprisingly, we do tend to spend a lot of time hanging out here in our zone of incompetence. When, if you think about it, these are just the things that we get to outsource. We get to delegate. We get to... Um, find solutions for my tax returns for example not something I'm good at not something I'm interested in learning about so I will always outsource it just like I will always have a cleaner then there's those tasks those activities that there's the time spent in our zone of competence so this is something that we're very good at but you know others can do it just as well and it's not necessarily something that brings us that feeling of fulfillment it doesn't really add anything to our day so this could be something like cooking. So for me, I'm a good cook, but actually I don't enjoy it that much. And my partner's just as good a cook as I am. And so I get to share that with him because it's not something that brings me fulfillment. I know in the big grand vision I have for my life, I will have a living chef <laughs> for sure. Or at least have those meal boxes delivered where I don't have to worry about spending time cooking because it's just not something I enjoy. So the zone of competence, you'll find lots of things in here that you or someone else can do just as well. It's just you're good at it, but it's like me. And then there's the zone of excellence. So this is things you do really, really well, but it's a seductive and dangerous trap and we can get addicted to hanging out here so when I think about um, how I used to spend a lot of my time in the corporate world it was being like I'm really excellent at being organized at being on top of things at planning at like mapping out what needs to be done at getting people engaged and keeping people accountable to what they said they were going to deliver I'm very very good at that like that was what I was sought after to like play that project management role in a lot of the um, areas that I ended up working in because I was really, really good at it. But there is a danger that it becomes a comfort zone thing and it's a danger that you don't actually thrive here because where you're meant to thrive is in your zone of genius. And this is where only you can do what you do in the way that you do it is not replicable by anyone else out there. It is completely unique to you and who you be. It's what you do when time doesn't fly, but it flows. There's an effortlessness to it. 
and you can't explain it either. And the chances are you can't even see it now. If I asked you to put a finger on it, you wouldn't be able to. And Gay Hendricks goes on to say that liberating this, liberating your zone of genius, is your ultimate path to fulfillment and potential. So you might be wondering, well, gee, great. <laughs> what is my genius if I can't see it? Well, it's the thing that comes most naturally to you. So you need to wonder, and this is just a contemplative question or two, what do you most love to do? And sometimes it helps to look back to when you were a child and you were just like lost in your own little world because you were just full to the brim with doing what you love the best. It's likely that it does not feel like work to you and it's going to be whatever produces the highest ratio of abundance and satisfaction to the amount of time that you're spending on it. Okay, so you get to ask what is your unique ability and it's usually like a skill within a skill within a skill, a bit like Russian dolls. If you were to take the large Russian doll head off, you'd find another skill in there. And then if you look inside that one, there's another skill. And it, the idea is that you just get to get to the bottom of it. And there is in lies your genius, your unique ability. And interestingly, another way to look at this um, which is a lot of the work that I do with my clients actually when we work one-to-one -to -one together to work out what it is that is their genius is what did they learn and develop as a child to cope with difficult situations because therein lies a little clue as to what your genius might be so I'll give you an example from my own childhood I became super vigilant around people and their moods i would be able to detect if someone was going to lose their shit at any time and that i was going to need to adapt how i showed up in the room at that time to kind of for damage limitation if you like so without being too cryptic <laughs> i'm talking about my parents being quite volatile in terms of um their moods and actually just being able to read the room and know when I could um, either appease the situation or actually remove myself from the situation and this served me back then because it, it meant that I wasn't so affected by the volatility of the mood in the room and actually I went on to play in that kind of facilitation role within my friend groups within my relationships and within my teams at work. And what I realized was actually I wasn't necessarily harnessing this unique ability in the best way because I was still keeping my, still keeping it to myself for one. Whereas actually, when I started to call out what I was sensing, some of the elephants in the room, I'm sensing that there's not a, a unanimous agreement on this discussion point and can we explore that can we dig into that further when I started to say I hear what you're saying but I also hear what you're not saying and it's this that is part of my genius that is now what I take into my work 
with my one-on-one coaches, coaches, in my one-on-one coaching, and that is where I help people move through their own stuff in a quicker timeline with bigger trans- with the biggest tra- possible transformation in that moment. It really has turned out to be one of my skills. So was there something you developed as a child, like really cleverly developed as a child, to cope with a difficult situation that actually is something that you can really harness today? Because therein lies your zone of genius. And like I said, when we can spend more of our time operating in that zone and less time in the other zones, certainly delegating some of the stuff that's in our zone of incompetence and even our competence to free up time, space, energy to focus in our zone of genius, then that is where true satisfaction, that real feel good comes from. If you'd like help with um, finding your zone of genius or any of the things that you've heard in today's episode, I invite you to join us for the next Connect call. You'll find the link to that in the show notes, along with the resources that I've mentioned here, the book. And if you're interested in getting my support in a one-to-one capacity, then do reach out via email or via social media. Drop me a direct message and uh, we can take the conversation from there. I would love to support you on your journey to becoming the leader you came here to be. And until next time, I shall see you later. Take very good care of yourself. Lots of love. Thank you.